Every once in a while, I'll release my inner 12-year-old. I'll take a black pen or Sharpie, and I'll draw a design on my wrist or my forearm. I'll admire it for a day or two before it fades away. I want to get a tattoo, but I have no clue what I want to get tattooed on me. Like a lot of people, I want to get something that's symbolic, you know, something that I find rich in meaning. I read an article a few years ago that made me realize I would need to give a lot of thought before choosing a design. So in 2014, a British woman was arrested at the airport in Colombo, Sri Lanka. She wasn't smuggling drugs. She wasn't carrying firearms. She was arrested for, quote, hurting others' religious feelings. She had a tattoo of the Buddha on her right arm. He's sitting in meditation on a lotus. It's a pretty large tattoo. And as a practicing Buddhist, she got the tattoo to show her devotion to her faith. But the airport security did not see her tattoo in the same way. In Sri Lanka, where 70% of people are Buddhist, her tattoo was interpreted not as devotion, but as disrespect. We may not always realize it, but there are symbols all around us. And as seen in the case of the British tourist, two people can interpret a symbol very differently. You're listening to Hyphen, a podcast about people living in two different worlds simultaneously. My name's Parth Shah. This episode, we're going on a hunt for symbols with hidden meanings. And what better place to start our search than my favorite place in the whole world, the refrigerator. Let's see what's in here. That's Andrea Levy. She's giving me a quick tour of her fridge. A lot of foods have these symbols on them that represent um, a category that they fall under um, in the, I guess, Jewish law. If you're anything like me, you've probably noticed these symbols in passing before, but never thought too much about them. So this coconut milk that um, most people would think is non-dairy, so vegan, it actually has a U and a D. So the U stands for the fact that it's kosher, and then the D stands for the fact that it's dairy. Sometimes it's even the factory that it was produced in has dairy, so it's been categorized as a milk product. Nearly half of all packaged foods in the country have a letter on them marking if the product is kosher or not. The most common letters are D, U, and K. Like Andrea said, if there's a D on the label, it means the product contains dairy or was made in a facility that also processes dairy. If it has a U or a K, it's kosher. Kosher foods are in accordance with Jewish law, which prohibits things like the consumption of pork and eating foods that combine meat and dairy. And it's not just Jewish people that use the label. Many Muslims follow a similar set of dietary restrictions called halal. So the kosher symbol can come in handy for them as well, too. The labeling system began around 100 years ago. And today, like I said, nearly half of all packaged foods in the U.S. have these symbols on them. But it's interesting. Jews make up only 2% of the American population, and many don't keep kosher. According to the Pew Research Center, most Jews say being Jewish is less about religion and more about ancestry and culture. I would say that I've mostly disassociated myself with the stringent rules and the beliefs, but I still can associate with that culture. So it's just, it's part of the way that I was raised. Andrea was born in Venezuela and lived there for eight years before moving to Miami. She now lives in Tempe, Arizona, and it's the first time in her life where she hasn't been surrounded by a Jewish community. I've never met anyone else who's uh, Hispanic and also Jewish. Yeah, so I get that a lot. <laughs> um, most people always tell me they've never met a Hispanic Jew. They didn't know they existed. Um, a lot of 
countries in South America and Central America have big Hispanic Jewish populations for the amount of Jews there are. There are about 14 million Jews around the world. That makes up less than 1% of the world's population. Latin America is home to more than half a million Jews. Andrea says that Hispanic Jewish community is well and alive in Miami, where she grew up. A 2014 study found that Miami actually has the 11th largest Jewish community in the country. It also has the most diverse Jewish community in America. For Andrea, Judaism was all around her. Growing up, she was surrounded by a variety of Jewish symbols like the Star of David and the Hamza. So tell me about your necklace that you're wearing. So I'm wearing um, a Hamza, which is the upside down hand symbol made of opal and it's from Israel um, and it's a very, very touristy necklace. Like everyone that goes to Israel gets it. It's associated with um, a superstition of um, like the evil eye. Evil eye, ooh, it sounds mad spooky, but it's actually a common concept that exists in many cultures around the world. Essentially, it's the idea that someone's jealousy can cause you misfortune. The Hamza is a talisman that's supposed to shield you from the evil eye. It has roots in both Judaism and Islam. Nowadays, you'll find this upside-down hand holding an eye in its palm on crop tops at Forever 21 and on tapestries from Urban Outfitters. Andrea says she likes that people have embraced the symbol, even if they may not know its history. As a Jewish American, there's only one symbol that bothers her. If, if there is one symbol that really does offend me, it's not someone wearing a, a Jewish star, it's not someone wearing a Hamsa, it's someone being proud of a swastika. The swastika may be one of the most notorious symbols on earth. That hooked cross was adopted by the Nazi party in Germany in the 1930s and has become a global symbol of anti-Semitism. You might have noticed that I used the word adopted. The swastika has been around for thousands of years before Hitler designed the Nazi flag. The word swastika means well-being in Sanskrit. To this day, Hindus and Buddhists see it as a symbol of prosperity and good fortune. 23-year-old Savan Katadia learned about the two very different meanings of the swastika at a young age. His family is Hindu. I saw it growing up all the time. I, you know, in school I learned about it as a Nazi symbol. A year ago, Savan bumped into someone unfamiliar with the swastika's multifaceted history on a trip to Walgreens before a wedding. My parents have some pre-made envelopes with swastikas on them it says like congratulations or whatever so as a wedding gift you know I wrote a check I put it in this fancy envelope and I was taking it to the wedding the next day um, I forgot that I needed to buy a card though so me and a friend are checking out we're getting cards I'm writing the card at the desk I asked if I could borrow a pen and the cashier saw when I placed the envelope on the counter she saw the swastika and the first thing she said was is that a swastika and I, I don't know why, but very naturally, it was kind of like an instinct. I just said, oh yeah, fun fact, um, the swastika is actually a religious symbol. It doesn't really have soul, you know, Nazi meaning behind it. Um, it was a religious symbol before then. And I don't, I don't really know now that I think back on it. I look and I don't know what I expected her to say back to me after that. But the first thing she said was, well, you should probably change it. It's kind of freaking me out. That cashier's reaction shows 
how deeply rooted this belief is that the swastika is solely a symbol of hate. Three, four generations have been taught in school, like this is the symbol of Nazi Germany, this is the symbol of anti-Semitism. When nobody else really hears about the background behind it, that's the only thing that they can associate it with. But the swastika has existed for many, many years in North America without any anti-Semitic association. For perfect refreshment every time, there's nothing like ice-cold Coca-Cola. There's nothing like Coca-Cola. In the 1920s, Coca-Cola released these little steel pendants. I'm assuming they're used for like necklaces or maybe wristwatches or something. And these pendants were in the shape of a swastika. And they had the Coca-Cola logo in the center. In the late 1800s and the early 1900s, you could find the swastika on different forms of clothing. You could find it on greeting cards. There was even a hockey team in Canada called the Windsor Swastikas. Before Hitler and the Holocaust, the swastika was seen as a symbol of good luck. I mentioned earlier the, that there's Hindu and Buddhist roots for the swastika, but it's really an international symbol. It's found in architecture in Greece, China. There are even swastikas lining the walls of ancient temples in Israel. If we made an active sort of effort to embrace it and show the opposite side of it, um, I, think, I think it could be embraced. It'd be a shame if it was let go. Yeah. It's got so much more history behind it than the past hundred years since World War II. It goes back, like I said, thousands of years. And there's the challenge. How to embrace a symbol that's so difficult to talk about. As South Asian Americans, Savin and I grew up seeing the symbol at home, at weddings, the temple, and at school we would see it and learn about it as a symbol of hate. We're not as attached to our Hindu roots as our parents are. It's too soon to say how strong second generation South Asian Americans will hold on to the swastika as we grow up and start our own families. It's Buddhist or Buddhist and Hindu? And, Buddhist. Yeah. And I didn't know that. Back in Andrea's kitchen, we continue our conversation about the multidimensional history of the swastika. For some time now, she's known that the swastika has religious significance. Initially, when I see it, I still associate it with a lot of hatred, a lot of pain that like my ancestors went through. So it still has that like negative connotation, but I've, I've worked past that. And I, I think it, a lot of people need to be educated about that because at least it's in my community, it's, that has never been brought up, the fact that it was a symbol before the Holocaust. I asked Andrea how likely she thinks that people will be able to accept the swastika for its original meaning, for what it meant before the Holocaust. I don't think right now those two symbols could represent two different, or the same symbol could represent two different things. Our next stop in our search for symbols is India. The hyphen budget doesn't exactly have room for a round trip to Mumbai, so I turn to Skype instead. Meet my 22-year-old cousin Radha Kamdar. What time is it there right now? Uh, it's 9.05. And it's 10.30 here. Yeah. It's like whenever talking to India, it's oh. like time travel. Yeah. <laughs> Radha may live 8,000 miles away from the U.S., but that's not enough distance to separate her from American pop culture. Yeah, so uh, Kim Kardashian is somebody uh, you love to hate. Like, you just cannot ignore her. And so, like many people, I also follow her on, you know, Instagram. And, like, I've 
I was just seeing pictures of her life, you know, of her amazing vacations and her wardrobe. So there was this one particular picture that I came across. Um, it was um, uh, I don't think so. It was a bikini, but it was a body suit. The bottom was the American flag. The top was of the American flag. She wore a hat, and I think she wore the shoes also. So I, I was just wondering that you know how can you do that? I mean, like I mean, in India we can't imagine wearing you know somebody wearing such clothes, and you know that too of the flag. You'd have to search long and hard to find clothing in India with the Indian flag on it. On Independence Day, people wear a combination of the Indian flag colors: saffron, white, and green. But you'll never see someone with an Indian flag T-shirt on. Flags are major symbols around the world. They're used to identify entire groups of people and their history. India and U.S. both have a lot of common when you look at their histories. They're both democratic countries, and they both are former British colonies. But these two countries seem to have a different definition of respect when it comes to the flag. But I don't think most Americans would see themselves as being irreverent for wearing clothing with stars and stripes on it. I own a tank top that has that's um with yeah. the American flag on. It. I think I own two that have the American flag on it. But at the same time, in the United States, people take the flag very seriously too. Like, um, if someone were to burn the American flag, that is seen as in a big, a big, very controversial event. Um, do you think it's possible to like? To adapt the flag and use it in fashion and and see it as like a art statement and also revere it. It depends on country to country. Like because I am an Indian, I'll talk about the things that are here. So for us, I don't think it's possible to you know accept the Indian flag as a fashion statement. I don't, and I personally believe that we shouldn't do it because you know. that is something that you look up to that is your identity your citizenship your nationalism with no offense to you know like people in like americans or people like anywhere in the world who does use their flag like that do you think because the history of india's independence is still in living memory that there is a higher respect for it i i have that view because you know it's not even 100 years that we have got independence like so many uh, freedom fighters are you know kind of still alive so you know you hear those things and like uh, indian independence was a huge struggle like we have faced a lot and you know with the partition and all there are many painful memories attached with the whole you know independence uh, event so i think that's why we take our independence very seriously Where you grow up influences the way you think. That's a no-brainer. Like Radha, my mom grew up in India, and she grew up in a household that did not approve of tattoos. So I decided to pull a little prank on my mummy dearest and tell her that I got a tattoo with the name of the Hindu god Ram on me. Heads up, there'll be some talking in Gujarati. I'll translate. I'm excited. So mm. I have to tell you something before I come home and you see it. Okay. I got a tattoo. Bye. It's on yeah. my it's on my wrist. It's Ram in Hindi. Are you looking for 
My mom is saying that tattoos are unprofessional. No, (laughs) Okay, there she threw some shade at me and I could not hold in the laugh. She said, you don't even pray, but you want to get a religious tattoo? My mom called my bluff pretty fast. She just knows me too well. We definitely do not see eye to eye when it comes to tattoos. She's especially opposed to religious ones. She thinks they're disrespectful. Personally, religious figures are not for even Jesus. I don't understand why people would have a Jesus on their arm. I I think people to gravitate towards religious symbols like Om, Ganesh, or like a Jesus kind of thing is because we think that you get this tattoo, this permanent image, that it has to be very symbolic and it has to be something full of meaning and that those are those default symbols that we think of are very symbolic and they have a lot of good meaning so that's why people do it you're absolutely right and i i get that but then putting it in certain places that's my problem remember we were sure looking at one show uh, uh, the bad tattoos and they were modifying that the person had a shiva on their feet there's some show, I think it was on TLC uh, or something like that. And um, it, the concept was that people would come on and they have like shitty tattoos that they don't like. And these tattoo artists would tattoo over them and kind of repair them. And this girl came up and she had something on her foot, something small that she didn't like. And the solution that they agreed upon was to tattoo a full color depiction of the Hindu god Shiva on her foot. Putting a religious symbol on your feet is so disrespectful to Hindus, next level disrespectful. So I'll probably stray away from religious tattoos just to stay in good books with my mom. But I'm trying to get her to slowly come around to the idea that tattoos aren't bad. So you are trying to convince me to get a tattoo for her? Yeah, yeah, we should get matching tattoos. Okay, so you can have it. No, but why don't we get family tattoos? You'll regret it when you fight with me. (laughs) (laughs) Symbols are difficult. In this huge world we live in, it's natural for an image to take on different meanings for different people. I still haven't decided what I want to get tattooed. And I'm in no rush either. Until I find a symbol that speaks to me, I'll be fine just drawing on my skin with a sharpie. Thanks for listening to Hyphen. As always, special thanks to my amazing editor, Maureen McCullum. Maureen is team tatted. She has a tattoo of a panda on her foot. The day I turned 18, I knew I wanted a panda. I didn't know necessarily where I wanted it, but I love pandas so much. When I look at them, I feel happy. They're just so cute and magical. They should not exist still. They should be extinct by now. Because they can only get pregnant one day of the year. Only one day a year? Yes. I had no clue. (laughs) It's like, there's no reason these things are around still. Thanks, humans, in China. When I look at my panda, I'm just like, oh, happy panda. I love pandas. So I think it's just, yeah, finding something you're happy with. Special thanks to Andrea Levy, Savan Kotaria, Radha Kamdar, and my mom, Bela Shah, for lending their voices for this episode. If you like what you hear, please rate and review the podcast on iTunes. And if you're looking for more stories about people living in between two worlds, check out browngirlmagazine.com. Don't be misled by the name. Brown Girl Magazine has content people of all gender identities can enjoy. Check the website out at browngirlmagazine.com. 
You can also find a list of songs that are used in this episode at hyphenpodcast.com. Just click on episode four. Stay tuned for the next episode of Hyphen.